Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim, and we are four women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. Releasing the shame around your struggles is hard work, especially if you feel alone. And so we wanted to create this podcast as a way to unite women of all ages, from all locations, all sizes and shapes, and really just want to invite you to sit at our table. Come as you are. Health and fitness is for everybody. And we're here to remind you that you belong, you matter, you are brave, you are capable, you are deserving of success. Maybe right now you don't truly believe those things, and that's okay. When we first got started, we didn't either. But we promise that each episode, we will show up vulnerably. We want you to realize your potential and the truth of who you really are. We will help you step into success and acknowledge that the power already lies within you. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. This is Marcy. I will be hosting this week. With me, I have the lovely Sam Altieri, Sarah Duff and Kim Schlag. And today we are going to be talking all about calorie deficits, more specifically how you can set up a calorie deficit if you are in a fat loss phase. And I actually came up with the idea for this podcast because I was thinking that over the course of the past six to eight months or so, all four of us have been in a fat loss phase at some point. And since we talk pretty frequently, I realized that we have all gone about it a little bit differently. So if your goal is fat loss, the number one key is you must be in a calorie deficit. But there are plenty of different ways that you can set that up to reach your goal. So that is what we are going to dive into today. So Kim, let's start with you because you just started a fat loss phase and I am curious how your coach has set that up for you. Well, yes, I have. I just started a fat loss phase like two weeks before Christmas, which had a lot of people questioning what on earth I was doing. Um, Me being one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me just like cut in really quick. One that you were, that it was around the holidays. And two, aren't you trying to hit your 300 pound deadlift? Like that doesn't really seem like it would jive too well. (laughs) I'm over here. All good questions. (laughs) All good questions. Here's the reality. Right now, no, I'm not trying to get. So I was in a strength block working towards my 300 pound deadlift, which I totally did not hit. Um, Did not, I made a little bit of progress, didn't even get close to it. Coming off that block, um, I know I'm not going to be doing that again anytime soon. I'm going to hit, I'm going to shoot for 285 soon, but I, I have it. I know I have it. It just wasn't an optimal day for me to hit it. But I'm not in a strength phase. I'm always in a strength phase, but I'm not in a dedicated, hey, going for a one rep max anytime soon. Um, that's going to be a little later in the year. 
But my reasoning behind doing a cut right now is that I decided I wanted to head into a muscle building phase. That's my real goal. The idea of heading into a muscle building phase when you're up a few pounds from where you're really comfortable isn't a good one. That's not a, that's not a good mental state to do something that you know you're going to see the scale go in a different direction. Um, so I talked to my coach about it. I'm just a couple of pounds above where I really feel my best. And I don't even know that I would have gone. I certainly wouldn't have done it at Christmas time. Um, I would have waited a while. But my real goal is to get into a calorie surplus, build some muscle. So um, we were talking and it just happened to be the beginning of December. And, you know, I said, you know, what do you think? Should I wait till January? He's like, look, you could do it now. Take the days off that you're going to take off for the holiday. You still have most of the month available, which is totally true. Um, you know, even if you only lose a pound. And so that's what I did. And I'm still in the middle of doing it. I will say it's one of the things you can't control factors. I got very sick over Christmas. My whole family got very sick over Christmas. Things kind of all went poof in my face. So um, I had a few more days at maintenance or in a surplus than I had planned, but I still think by the end of this month, I will have lost a little over a pound. I only have realistically four or five more to lose. Mm -hmm. So that's the why I did it then. Do I recommend people like necessarily start a fat loss phase right around the holidays? Probably not, but you know, there's something to be said for if you're ready and in a good mental space, whether it's right before a vacation or right before a holiday, it's not like every month of December, every day of December had to be in a surplus, right? Or even had to be at maintenance. So you could, um, but you could also use that time to, you know, take a maintenance break. So that's kind of the why. Um, and then did you want me to talk about how I was doing it now? Or what did you want? Where did you want to head? Um, let's, let's wait a little bit because I just wanted to echo on something that you said you know, I think that there's something to be said for picking, choosing to do it when it's hard. And that really builds confidence. It builds resiliency. And yeah, you know, it might be easier to do it at the beginning of the new year when you know, you're feeling all raw, raw, and you're motivated, you know, your resolution, everybody else around you might be trying to clean up their habits and lose weight, you know, whatever the case, but to really put yourself in that uncomfortable position and do it when maybe other people are just stuffing their face with Christmas cookies, <laughs> you know, that teaches you, if you can do it then, like you can do it anytime. So maybe if you're brand new to fat loss, that might not be the best time, but if you are a more seasoned veteran, <laughs> like we are, and you've done this before, you know what to expect, you know how to kind of like manipulate the days like you've been doing where, okay, on Christmas day, if I wasn't sick with the stomach flu, uh, I would be, you know, I would be able to go into maintenance and it would be okay. So yeah. I think again, it comes back to know thyself. And yes, if you are, are a beginner choosing to do it at the most difficult time of year, possibly not the best time, but for someone who's done this a couple of times already, then yeah, why not? Yeah, so. I think it can really help with the not having an all or nothing mentality, which is so common um, for people who yo-yo diet, right? We're either all in or we're all out. Choosing to start a fat loss phase when there was literally no way for me to be all in or all out and enjoy myself, you know, it helps you strike that balance. Right. And the other thing, I don't know if people follow you on Instagram, if they watch your stories every day, but you have they been- better. 
If you guys aren't following all four of us, get your head out of your butt and follow us. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, But you have been showing your daily weigh-ins, which I think is very, very important because it is bringing attention to the fact that the scale will fluctuate. And we talked about this on one of the last episodes that we did. I discussed how I've been in a fat loss phase. My weight was going down consistently, you know, week after week. And then all of a sudden it shot up five pounds Mm -hmm. and it did it again uh, this past week, not five pounds, but you know, around like three or four and now it's back down again. So that's really important too, is just um, having that mindset that the scale is going to go up and down kind of like regardless of what you do, regardless if you're perfectly on track. And it's just so important to keep in mind. Yeah. I will say those daily weigh-ins that I show every day, I consistently get more DMs about that than about anything else I talk about because people just can't believe that that's what the scale really does. Mm-hmm. And I've had several people, because I did this this time last year, I did the same thing I did for three months. And I've had several people message and say like, this was the thing that changed how they looked at the scale and they were finally able to make progress because they always thought they were messing up because the scale would go up and they didn't realize like that's literally just what it does. It doesn't go down in a nice steady neat line. It goes up and down as it's coming down. And that's why I do those daily weigh-ins. You know, it's interesting because I do daily weigh-ins too, not on my Instagram stories, but I do step on the scale every day. Uh, It's something that my coach requires. And I, I like to see the data. That's just kind of how my brain works. But it's really interesting how sometimes, um, and we'll get into this about when we when we discuss how to set up a calorie deficit. But currently, I have higher carb days, I have lower carb days, and you would think logically that a day after my low carb day, and you know I've been really active or whatever, that my weight would be down. And oftentimes my weight is actually higher after a low carb day, which does not make sense to me. So it really goes to show how you can't always <laughs> trust it. You know, you can't trust that scale. And you may think, oh, I was perfectly on point and have this expectation that it's going to, you know, um, that your weight will react in a certain way based on your behaviors the previous day. And it just is not always the case. So absolutely. And I really like to impress that when I'm showing the weight and I do talk people through like, Hey, this is why it might be up or it might be down. But I love to talk to people about the fact that like, sometimes I have no friggin' clue why it just dropped or why it just spiked. And that in daily life, we really should not spend that much time. If you're going to weigh, you shouldn't spend that much time thinking about like, why does it say that? It's interesting to note certain trends that can happen. Like Hey, like if I eat Asian food, the next day the scale's up like three pounds. And if you notice, like that's how my body works, that's like, I see that now. It's interesting, but trying to get to a point where you can just not think about why does it say that, write it down, it's your data point, move on. That's where I want people to go. Yeah. Funny you mentioned that about Asian food because Sarah and I had Thai food on New Year's Eve. It was delicious. And that day, uh, I was completely off from the gym. I didn't do any cardio. You know, my step count was like, I probably got around 11,000, which is normal for me. But we ate two things. We ate Thai food, which was high in sodium, something that I never eat. 
um, even though it is my favorite food. And we also ate fairly late at night. So like closer to around eight o'clock because <laughs> we had to wait an hour to get our food and we walked there. <laughs> so, you know, eating a little bit later, eating something that was really high in sodium, I expected the weight to be, or my weight to be up a couple pounds and it was actually down from the day before. So anyway, I think we're kind of beating a dead horse at this point. Hopefully people get the point. But yes, if you are weighing yourself daily, just don't let that number get to you. Look at the fluctuations, but what you want to focus more on is the downward trend over time and making sure that from week to week, it's the daily average that is going down. So, so that being said, let's talk a little bit, Kim, about what your fat loss phase looks like and how you are setting up those calories. Okay. Um, so for me, the way I do it, and I do have a coach who sets my numbers for me. Um, so we have calorie counting and protein counting. That's it. I don't count carbs. I don't count fats. Um, I do count my protein and I count my calories. I calorie cycle, which means I have certain days of the week that are higher calories and certain days of the week that are lower calories all of those days are deficit calories. There's no maintenance calories there. Um, they're calorie ranges. So they'll have two numbers so I don't have to hit an exact target. And my goal every day is to hit my calorie target and to hit my protein target. It's pretty straightforward, but it's not always easy to do. Yeah, that's, that's similar to how Sarah and I, when we were in a fat loss phase, that we kind of tackled it. Although we didn't go directly towards tracking right at first, um, both of us focused more on the ranges. And I think that's the biggest thing is like not getting too caught up in the perfection of like hitting, you know, say your calories are 1800, not worrying about getting like 1800 calories on the dot. Because at the end yeah. of the day, as long as you're hitting the range, you know, like it's, it's okay. You don't have to worry about hitting 1800. As long as you're hitting between 17 and 1900, that's way better yes. than like randomly hitting 1800 and then saying, Oh my God, I ate 1810 calories. I fucked up. Now I'm going to go binge eat. Like, it's like, no, just stay consistent within the range. So that's awesome yeah, to hear. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. I, I went from uh, years ago. I was, when I was competing, you had to hit the calories bang on the nose. And it was obsessive to the point of, removing like you know and it was to do like grams of carbs and everything so but it got obsessive to the point of removing like literally like five grains of rice from my plate and oh my gosh tiny, tiny little like slither of chicken from the plate to get it like bang on because in my head in that moment those five grains of rice and that slither of chicken, if they went inside my body, I was going to implode. All my results were going to go. And that was just going to be life was life was over, which, you know, obviously that's just not the case. But it's kind of, it was one of the ways that I kind of screwed up my relationship with food because I was just getting that um, obsessed by it all. And why now, like even when Sam and I did our fat loss phase, I opted not to count calories. Like I didn't even try, I haven't tracked calories in, well, about four years, I don't think. 
because I just, I just don't, it's just not something that works particularly well for me. And I think it's good too, Sarah, to note that you did track calories for a while before you could get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys listening? Like you can't just not track calories and expect to know what the hell you're eating. Sarah has done this for like years, like as a competitor. So she knows exactly what works, what doesn't. And also like a rough, a pretty good estimate of calories per serving and portions. So she can be honest with herself. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason why we encourage tracking at least at the start of a fat loss phase is if you don't know what you're eating, if you don't know what's actually going inside your body in the food sense, uh, not in the sexual sense, <laughs> then how can you manage it? Was anybody confused there? <laughs> I think I'm down that road. I think they were. I think they were, Kim. <laughs> As I was saying, and I'm like, oh, this is a dirty joke. <laughs> oh my God, come out of my mouth. But yeah, what you, what you don't, uh, when you don't measure, you can't manage. You know, that's absolutely. That's yeah, you need to have the foundation of, of knowledge. Like, you wouldn't go into an exam at school in German having never ever done German and expect to actually, you know, pass the exam. Do you know what right. I mean? So, right. Yeah. You'd have to start with basic vocabulary, right? Yeah, exactly. Basic vocabulary and fat loss is a calorie deficit. So, that's becoming friends with what you're actually taking in and being honest with yourself for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's- Oh, sorry. So many people are so far out of touch with what a actual serving is mm-hmm. because so they, you know, maybe they've never tracked or we're used to going out to eat and restaurants serving us these ginormous portions that we just kind of take at face value. Like, okay, well, this is what I'm being served. So I'm going to eat it all. And there's so that's no- a serving because it's what I was served. Yeah. Portion distortion. Don't get me wrong. I can freaking clean my plate any day. <laughs> but uh, I have in the past many times. Um, but yeah, if you don't have that awareness, it's really easy to overeat and then, and then have no idea as to what a proper serving actually is. So the tracking can be very helpful in that regard. But um, going along with that, you know, Sam and Sarah, when you guys were doing your fat loss phase together and I think it was part of your like fit and free launch or challenge something like that neither of you were actually counting calories in the sense that you were putting your food on the scale and logging it in my fitness pal like maybe Kim or myself are currently doing so talk us through how that looked especially if there is someone listening who is like I am not going to break out a food scale for whatever reason. I don't have time for that. I don't have the mental energy for that. Like just not going to happen. How can somebody aim to eat for fat loss without actually weighing their food? Because that's what you guys did. Yeah. Well, Sarah, I'll let you take it away. But I I think the first thing I just want to say for both of us is the only reason why we chose to not go the tracking calories route is because we had both done it for many years. We are very familiar with calories and how many calories are in things. So I think for both of us, at least to my knowledge, we kind of did some mental calculating. You know, it's like you kind of just are aware of what you're eating. Um, And we have created rules and structure, which, you know, that's kind of what we 
promote in the fit and free membership anyways, but I think creating the rules and structure outside of tracking the calories was the godsend for us. But Sarah, why don't you go first and then I can I'll finish up. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So we kept it really simple. We kind of had a only going to eat three meals a day and then work to a basic template. And um, I think definitely for me, it was more of a case, my meals didn't really change from what I always eat. So all I needed to do was really just tighten things in a little bit. So stop adding, you know, um, switching from using oil to um, a zero calorie spray for cooking and being really more mindful about like how much salad dressing I was putting on. Um, you know, the nut butters, you know, actually being very, very conscious because, you know, when, when I'm just living my everyday life, I'm kind of a little bit more just like slapdash. I'm not like completely outrageous, you know, half a bottle of olive oil, but it's just like, you, you just don't pay as much attention. And I will be completely honest. I am somebody that will always just put a little bit extra on my... Yeah, you are. Me too. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and I will always, I'm always, I'm the nibbler while I'm, while I'm cooking so this like, girl you should see her when we cook she's like eating spinach like like chips me me too but <laughs> even even just putting the spoon into the pan and it's like yeah. oh, i just need to taste a little bit of this and actually yeah. what i've done is taken like half and <laughs> out <and> pan. <laughs> like our meal is like half the size of the meal because we've eaten it as it's being cooked <laughs> which is so common by the way yeah. i always, I always talk about ski sources of calories and that is one of them eating as you cook yeah for sure 100% and also the other thing so being just being more conscious about that and just do it going right while I'm cooking I'm I'm not eating but also for me again being completely honest I am a cupboard picker so when I walk into my kitchen I do have a bit of a thing where I'll go to the cupboard and I'll just you know I will have a dip in the peanut butter and put it in my mouth or I will take a few raisins out of a packet and put put them in my mouth and actually before we did the fat loss phase in the space of in space of I think about a week I had demolished a full big bag of raisins just purely through walking into the kitchen and just having little mouthfuls here and there not actually consciously eating them so that's another thing for if you don't want to um like count calories and stuff during a fat loss phase, or just in general if you're trying to maintain your weight is just be really aware of your own tendencies to just pick at things because it's so easy to consume. That that bag of raisins over a week was an extra fifteen hundred calories oh. over that week. <laughs> yeah, I call those the the BLTs, the bites, licks, and tastes. And yes. if you're not careful, man, that can add up to hundreds of extra calories a day. So yes, yeah, sticking um, your sticking your hand in the bag, licking licking the extra peanut butter off the spoon eating the scraps from your kids' plates, all of that stuff. And you know, one of my favorite quotes is, you don't have to count calories, but all calories still count. So yeah. just because it's not part of your meal doesn't mean that the calories don't add up at the end of the day. One of my favorite examples of this, everyone by now hopefully knows my affinity for Trader Joe's and that I'm pretty much there every day. <laughs> Trader Joe's, can we? Can you please sponsor this podcast and Marcy? <laughs> did, did anyone see my story the other day when I tried to cancel my credit card and yes. the, the customer service lady tried to upsell me on a new one? 
which was cashback rewards. And so she's going through my account. She says, well, Ms. Nevin, I see that you shop very frequently at Trader Joe's. <laughs> get cash back for all those purchases. <laughs> um, it's like when Netflix tells you, like, have you been, are you still yeah, listening? watching? <laughs> watching? Um, but, you know, I, I go to Trader Joe's all the time and they have that sample counter. And, you know, they'll have like cake or a bite of this, a bite of that, you know, that they're sampling. And people just go along and they pick it up and they eat it. And I don't think any of those people remember, you know, that eight hours ago when they were sampling the pumpkin bread at Trader Joe's at 10 in the morning that, that they had eaten it, you know? So food amnesia is very real if you are going throughout your day and not writing things down, not tracking it. So you've got to be very, very mindful of, yeah, of all the BLTs. Uh, 100%. Um, and that, just to finish off kind of during our fat loss phase, um, I know we basically, I think we both, um, with our main meals, we knew that they were in the range of about five, between 450 and I think 550 or 600 calories per meal. So we kind of, that's what we were focusing on. So it wasn't that we weren't paying attention to like the amount of calories in a meal we were just being very like, we just didn't need to actually do the calculations because we had enough experience to be able to just look at a plate and use like the template of majority of the plate is like protein and vegetables. And then there's a little bit of carbs and you just take easy on the easy on the fat because obviously it has the highest, highest level of calories and is the easiest to overeat. And um, that was basically how, that was basically how we, we did it. Um, so just being more, more mindful um over to you Sam what do you want yeah um well I think for me I chose not to track because I had the past um experience with getting really obsessive with numbers and I think in a previous phase of my life I was I mean I still am working through my perfectionist tendencies but I found that if I didn't if I didn't hit my calories, then I would just say fuck it and and just kind of like see the day as a wash and just kind of go overboard. Um, now I think if I was to track calories, it wouldn't that wouldn't be the case, which I've actually thought about tr trying it out just to see and kind of also keep like just to show a different way of of tracking and a different mindset. Um, but I think that I wanted to go into a fat loss phase feeling healthy and good about it and not having the fat loss phase cause me more stress, but in fact, just having it help me feel better and like have my looks start to match where I thought I wanted to be. Um, so like Sarah said, I think we created the structure that helped us stay on track. And so for me, I mean, if you guys watch my stories, then you know I eat oatmeal literally every morning. Uh, so that stayed the same. The only thing that changed is I switched from peanut butter, like whole regular peanut butter to PB2, so like powdered peanut butter. So that saved me like 100 to 150 calories. Um, and then I had one big ass salad a day. That's like my go-to lunch. Uh, that stayed the same, I think. And then dinner... Typically, I would just be a little bit more mindful of my fat and carb portion. Like I would prioritize my protein, try to get more veggies, um, and then a little bit of carbs or a little bit of fat rather than like, you know, going a little bit overboard. Um, and if I felt like I needed a snack throughout the day, then what I would do is I would borrow 
quote unquote, the snack from my meal. So mm. rather than saying like, I can only have three meals, because sometimes that can feel restrictive, like, oh my God, I can only eat three times. You know, like if you're in the, if the day just ends up that you need a little snack or something, or you need, you want something pre-workout, then I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna have an apple before my workout. And then I would just be like, okay, I'm gonna take away those 80 calories or some of those carbs for my dinner. And it, it just ends up working out that way for me. Yeah. So that was kind of how I approached it. And if I did eat a little bit more than I had planned, or you know, maybe our meals were a little bit bigger, or I went out to eat with friends, I just accepted it and didn't chalk it up as a loss. I just was like, you know what? Okay, that's fine. Like there's maybe I had a day of maintenance amongst my fat loss phase. That's not going to be an issue. You know, it's like, it's way better than me saying like, fuck it and going overboard, which would be the past Sam and kind of sabotaging myself. So I think that's, that was the huge thing for me. Um, and knowing what things were my temptations or my trigger foods and just like, I don't, I didn't need to have them in the house. You know, like I used to keep a like jars of peanut butter in the house, just, you know, just to have them just in case. Right. And I think just when in I, case, yeah, 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 it's like, I never know what I'm going to need. Eight I love that. <laughs> but like, really, you know, like it's, it's like you, now I buy it when I want it and need it, yeah. you know, it's like, and so I've realized that peanut butter is one of those foods that no matter if I'm the most disciplined person ever, if I've worked through all my sabotage, if I don't need to binge eat anymore, it's still a food that's so easy to overeat. It doesn't matter how amazing you are at fat loss or amazing your relationship is with food. It's still a food that's hard to eat in moderation. So knowing that about myself, I was like, why do I keep making it harder on myself? Mm -hmm. So when I finished the last jar of peanut butter, I just stopped buying it. And instead I bought the single serving packs. And that has been how I've operated. I don't even in a fat loss phase. Now I just do that. It's like, I don't need to have this jar of peanut butter sitting there as temptation because it's easy to eat it. And I don't typically like, I don't need it. It's more like the, the wanting it. And I'm like, it makes me second guess. Like, do I actually want this right now? Like, do I need it? Eh, yeah. And I, I kind of am more mindful. So that was one of the big things for me is just getting the shit out of the house. That was you know, it's just easy to overeat or like, you know, more tempting. And then being more mindful around like, okay, if I want something more fun or indulgent, planning for it and feeling like I was in control of that decision and not like whatever food that I've had a hard time with in the past kind of took me over. And I think that was a huge win for me in realizing that I was in control of the food, you know, and like I, I chose to be in a fat loss phase and I could get out of it at any time. And I think knowing that freedom, like it's just a temporary thing, you know, like you're not supposed to be in a fat loss phase forever. That reminder, I told myself that every morning, like I don't have to do this. I'm choosing to do this and I can stop it at any time. And knowing like, okay, it's all good. If I mess up, I literally have the next meal to get back on it. Um, so I think for me, it was a lot more of the mindset going into it and creating the structure and just having less decisions to make. That was the huge, huge win for me. Like having go-to breakfast, having a go-to one or two lunches and a, a few go-to one or two dinners and just staying within that. And, you know, if I happen to have like events or stuff planned, cool. That's my exception, but having the rules so that I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. I love having that structure. I do the same thing too. I pretty much eat the same thing over and over again. I never get sick of it, but it makes things way easier for sure. Yeah. 
Sure. And what I think, do you eat, Marcy? What's your go-tos? Uh, I, I love protein smoothies. Like I could seriously have a protein smoothie for every meal of the day. <laughs> um, so okay. that's usually what I eat post-workout. Um, for dinner, I do some sort of protein. Usually it's ground turkey and a carbs, like a starchy carb source. I like my carbs after my workout and in the evening. Um, right now they are on the lower end because I'm at the end of this fat loss phase. So I have to be a little bit more choosy with when I have them. So yeah, something like sweet potatoes. My favorite right now is kabocha squash because that's in season, lots of vegetables. Um, and I have this other concoction, which I love. And it's, it's a spin off of what Sam eats every day. And it's kind of what I call it like note meal. So instead of oatmeal, I use the frozen cauliflower rice and I let it defrost for about an hour in a bowl. I add berries to it. And then I add my vegan protein, mix it all up. And it's like this, it's kind of like this like sludgy almost. It's like mashed potatoes. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, it has berries in it. Sweet. But, no, sweet like porridge or like, like you porridge. know. It's, it's, yeah. it's delicious. It's low calorie. It's filling. Uh, I probably get like 40 grams of protein from that meal and uh, a lot of fiber. So yeah, that's one of my go-tos as well. And I pretty much just have those meals on repeat over and over again. Yeah. Um, uh, I am one I do better with about four meals a day. So I have a hard time. I get hungry pretty easily. Um, so three meals a day is challenging for me. I used to do three meals a day when I was doing intermittent fasting. So my first meal would be around 11 and I would, so I'd eat around like 11, three and seven and I'm no longer doing intermittent fasting. So these days I'm, I eat about nine 30, 12 30 or one, four and about seven or seven 30. So yeah, about four meals a day is kind of my, my sweet spot. Yeah, yeah actually I, I actually forgot. I did intermittent fasting during our last fat loss phase. Mm. Did you? You were I hadn't done a fat loss phase for like about two or three years. Um, I'd built up quite a lot of mental resistance to doing one just because the outcome of the last one was mm, mm, kind of a mindset fuck up, shall we say. Um, so I was a bit like, oh God, I don't know. I kind of avoided it while I was repairing my relationship with food and um, but when we went back into it this time I was like okay I can I had to be mentally ready for it um which I was and then I decided to give the intermittent fasting thing a go because I am a fan of bigger meals I don't like if you give me a small plate of food I'm like what is this that just make you mad yeah, <laughs> actually like now that you say that I think Something I've been experimenting too recently is having two big meals. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy because you just think about food less yes, and you yes. do get to have that satisfying feeling of like fullness, yes. which can be um, can be nice if you're used to always like feeling hunger, you know, like sometimes the hunger thing just, it, 
it kind of clogs your mental space. So if you can hold out eating until like Sarah said, like 11 or something, and you have your first meal at 11 and then you maybe wait or something, you have maybe a baby snack and then like your second meal, that could be an option too. So like, don't, don't feel like you have to be wedded to whatever your meal frequency is right now. Like maybe ask yourself like, is the frequency in which you're eating, does it actually work for you? Does it make you fucking crazy? Or like, does it, you know, could you optimize it even more? Is four meals better? Is two meals, two snacks? Like you can set it up any way that you want, as long as your total calories are in check. So I think like that, when you told me you were doing intermittent fasting, I was like, oh shit, like, yeah, actually I've done that before and it worked well. And so Instead of calling intermittent fasting, for me, I just say like kitchen opens at nine and closes at seven or eight. And I just kind of create those boundaries for myself. And that's that was one of the rules. It's like, I just don't eat after eight because nothing good happens after eight. And <laughs> for like a lot, of, a lot of my clients, we just set the rule like kitchen closes at eight, at eight, no matter what. Like you don't eat after eight, you know? The only exception to that is if you know, like you don't get to eat dinner before and it has to get pushed later or something like that. But it's like no snacking, none of that crap. Just chop it off. You get to eat again in the morning. Just remind yourself that. Yeah. Right. You know, it's something about that that I want to talk about is how your body gets used to the times of day that you eat. Yeah. So when I, I did intermittent fasting for a long time, I probably started it right when it was becoming popular. I would say maybe eight years ago. And it was the 16-8, which was gaining popularity. And one day I'm just like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm not going to eat until noon. And it was tough. I mean, I drank coffee and all that. But I remember the first week or so was pretty challenging. And then I just got into a rhythm with it. And if I was busy enough at work, if I was drinking coffee, drinking tea, you know, I did not get overly hungry. So my body adapted to that. And I did some form of intermittent fasting, not really a 16 hour, closer to a 14, 15 hour where I would eat my last meal around seven or eight, eat my first meal around 11. And yeah, it was pretty easy. But now that I've gone, well, before I was in a fat loss phase, I was doing more of a a meal plan type of thing to fix some of my gut issues. So the meal plan was seven meals a day. Oh my God. I condensed to six, but it basically was torturous. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, Luckily, I had a flexible schedule or else I don't know how I would have done that. But um, I had to start eating a lot earlier in the day. So here I was eating at 11 and now I had to start eating at 7.30 or 8. And after about a week of that, I was waking up in the morning hungry and ready to eat, you know? So... If you do feel like you want to experiment with a different meal timing, just keep in mind that it may be challenging at first, but your body will adjust and then that's just going to be your new normal. Yeah. Usually it takes you about like two weeks, like yeah. you're doing it and then you'll notice a shift in when you, when your hunger hormones start to like kind of kick in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so d- just get through that hump and, and know that that's normal so that when you go into the shift, if you do decide you want to change, it's usually about two weeks that it, right. it will take right. your body. And yeah. you know, for people who are in fat loss phase, hunger is going to be part of it. It's just the name of the game. Hunger is not an emergency. So you've got to get used to dealing with a little bit of it. 
And I would say that if you're not experiencing a little bit of hunger in a fat loss phase, you probably are not in a true caloric deficit, but there are certainly ways to manage it. And I think that having a structured meal time or like meal schedule is a good way to go about that. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to get hungry, but if you have you know, you say, okay, I'm going to eat at nine, one and six, then your body is kind of going to get hungry around those times and you can plan and prepare for it more than if you were just trying to wing it and like eat randomly throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. we should talk maybe about how they can calculate their calories and also protein and then like managing hunger too. Like I know we are all advocates of volume eating which if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's basically like having the largest amount of food possible when you're in a fat loss phase, getting more veggies, like, because veggies are so voluminous that if you think about your stomach, if you think about your stomach as a balloon and you just ate 400 calories worth of olive oil, like it would only fill up just a little baby amount of it. But if you ate 400 calories worth of broccoli, like that balloon would be big and full. So maximizing your calories so that you can achieve somewhat, you know, closer to fullness. So you're not like walking around being ravenous and getting, you know, kind of feeling hangry a little bit. So Sam, why don't you talk about that since you brought it up? Uh, yeah, sure. So I think one of the one of my go to things to bulking foods is cauliflower. I think cauliflower oh, yeah. is a godsend. I put it in everything. <laughs> Literally, I do, especially when I'm in the fallow's phase. Like I add cauliflower rice to my oatmeal. I think we all do that. I don't know, Kim, if you do that. I, I have to tell you, I never had cauliflower rice. Oh my god, girl, your oh. life's about to be changed. Oh who are you? Yeah, I I don't do anything with cauliflower. Not that I don't like it. I just that's not a go-to for me. Oh, so maybe sometime when we're together, girls, you can. Oh, uh, girl, I will make you of cauliflower. I will make you my oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be oh. a convert. Oh my god, all right. oatmeal. I'll convert you to the good stuff. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but yeah, adding adding cauliflower rice to your oatmeal, which, like Marcy said, all you do is just add it into your oatmeal and it basically bulks up the oatmeal at least twice as much and it's you know for super super minimal calories and it keeps you full it's got fiber in it it's a lot of water so it's great also adding cauliflower frozen cauliflower to smoothies so doing a one-to-one fruit to veggie ratio in your smoothies is a great option instead of just all fruit just because it's like lower in sugar um lower in carbs um, I do rice, broccoli, rice, cauliflower, rice, sweet potato, like all the rice to veggies as an alternative to rice, or I'll do like a half a cup of rice and a half a cup of rice veggie so that you still get the best of both worlds. And for me, that's important. Like I don't want to just eat fucking vegetables. Like I also want carbs too. So getting both the best of both worlds. Um, and then things like, you know, powder peanut butter or the zero calorie spray or making your own salad dressings or adding a fuck, like eating a big ass salad in a mixing bowl like Kim does, you know, like I do the same thing, especially in the summer times when, when seasons are a little bit warmer, I go to town in that salad. Like I almost, if I was to weigh out the, the bowl, I think it's been over a pound at some points, you know, it's like, there's a lot of vegetables in there. And it's like, that's where I get the bulk of my veggies is in that salad. Mm-hmm. So figuring out, you know, what, how can you make veggies make an appearance in your day as much as possible so that you don't want to like 
you know, that you don't dread them. So finding ways to kind of sneak them into things. Um, I think that's, that's been like a, a way to manage hunger and be in a fat loss phase and not even feel like it. And that's ultimately, that's the goal is like, you don't want to feel like you're mm-hmm. starving all the time. That sucks. <laughs> that was a good list, Sam. I'll add a couple of mine um, to, for my volume eating. Uh, egg whites, they're mm. amazing. Oh, yeah. So great in oatmeal. Yeah. I've just recently started trying that. I see everybody doing that. So finally I decided to try it. I do like that. Um, but even just straight up like cooking some eggs and adding a bunch of egg whites. If you, I personally, I can eat egg whites and vegetables, like in a little omelet thing. A lot of people are like, I don't like the flavor of that. So, you know, do one egg or two eggs and then add egg whites. Um, that really can stretch things. Um, cooking with egg whites. That's a big one for me. Um, Plain yogurt instead of having flavored yogurt um, can save a lot of calories. Eating it with berries, you can get a lot of food in there. A lot of strawberries or raspberries or a mix of them. And blueberries too. I just, I'm weird. I hate blueberries. I don't know what it is. I do not like blueberries. Um, so berries with your yogurt is a good one. The, the big salads is amazing. Like you can get so much food. It's amazing how much food you can get in. Yeah. And if you just want to chew, like, goodness gracious, you can <laughs> chew a lot of food. <laughs> Sometimes, like, if you're eating, like, people who are, like, trying to eat low calorie but not switch to high-volume foods, you end up with these little tiny portions. Like, if I was going to eat the same amount of calories in, like, Kraft Mac and cheese, you know how much food I would get versus my salad? Yes. It's like nothing. It's like nothing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, all the vegetables really, really helps. Um what was the other one? I th- I'm having a, a mind freeze here. Menopause. Well, I, I got one for you, Kim. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear yours. That I turned you on to. What's that? The squash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I am like the queen of squash. I will eat it year round. So delicata squash, super low in calories, very high in volume. You can uh, literally eat the whole thing on your own as a small part of your meal, guys. I eat yeah. that whole thing. No one else yeah. in my family likes it, which is crazy. It blows my mind. More it's for you. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. So delicata, kabocha is my favorite, butternut. All of those are going to be a lot higher volume than something like a sweet potato, but it still has that dense carb consistency. So you don't feel like you're just eating fibrous vegetables. So that is one of my go-tos for sure. And then for me, like the big protein smoothies. So I have one of those ninja blenders, which... I have right here and it says that it is nine cups (laughs) and I can get my smoothies to fill up this entire nine cup thing for probably like less than 200 calories. So a scoop of protein, ice, serving of cauliflower rice, half cup to half cup of berries. And yeah, it's so delicious. So filling. Yeah. I think, I think like what we're all saying is we've had to experiment with things that work for us. And once we find things that work, we just stick to them because Mm -hmm. it works. It's like, don't try to reinvent the wheel because chances are like we, like we or anyone else out there have figured out like really awesome strategies to like finding meals that work and keep you full. And I think like you have to figure, you have to probably experiment with the things you like and that feel like will keep you satisfied and they they don't make you feel deprived, you know, because like if you're making Marcy's smoothie, right? And at the end of it, you're like, yeah, that was fine, but like I still want something more, then that's not going to work for you. Like, or maybe you need to adjust it a little bit so that you do feel satisfied and satiated because there's like a difference, you know, like coming from like a physical 
satisfaction, like satisfied point and a mental one. It's like, if you are full, but you still want something, then there's something missing. Yeah. If you're full and you feel good and you're good, then that's good. That's a, that's a successful meal in the meal book, you know? Yeah. Flavor is the other thing. Like you cannot, you've got to experiment with using different flavors and things because there's nothing more upsetting than just a bowl of vegetables. So hot sauce is one of the things that I know yeah. I do all of the time. Um, um, and mushrooms was my volume, is my high volume thing. You can eat like literally a big punnet of mushrooms covered mm-hmm. in sauce. And that's going to like, oh yeah, give me some of that. Food <laughs> <laughs> serving right now. Yeah. And if you guys, like, have a hard time with eating the same things, like, I think we all kind of eat the same stuff, right? For the Mm -hmm. most part. If you aren't a person who's like, oh, I need variety, like, you can still eat the same foods, but just season them differently. So, like, one day you have curry-flavored fucking potatoes, one day, like, one week you have rosemary potatoes, like, one week you have Mexican potatoes. Like, it's, it's like, when you go out to eat, it's the same shit, you know? You just get different seasonings, different flavor profiles, so have the same base foods and just change up the seasonings you don't need to go like crazy like oh i need to find a new pinterest recipe and recreate it it's like no just like find the recipe as a base and then you can you can just tweak it on the seasonings and it's really simple you don't add calories with seasoning you know as long as it's like a spice or herbs and stuff and that way you don't have to go buy all these crazy ingredients it's like keep it simple you know And you can always rotate things in and out. That's the way I am. I can eat the same thing for a long time. I can sometimes go like two months and eat the same breakfast, but eventually I really do get to a point and it happens kind of fast. I'm like, I don't want that anymore. And so then I take that out of the rotation. I put in another breakfast I like, and I'll go with that until I get bored of that. And eventually they all just come back in. It just makes my life easier. Like I don't want to wake up every morning or I I plan my food the night before. I don't want to have to sit here every night and think what's for tomorrow. I typically know, like, this is what I'm having for breakfast this week. Yeah. And I know until I get bored. And when I'm bored, I totally switch it out. I would not make myself keep eating something that I was bored of. Right. Right. That's that's such a good point, Kim. I think often we don't do a good enough job at checking in with that. Like, do Mm -hmm. I even want this? Because I think that's where fat loss can become an issue is Mm -hmm. when you're doing the thing and you're not even aware of what you're doing and you're like... You're like, I fucking hate everything. I'm meal prepped. And you end up like meal prepping all this shit that you don't even want to eat. And then you either throw it out or you end up ta- ordering takeout because the food you're making doesn't even taste that good. Yeah. It's like, you got to check in with yourself, especially when you're going through a more disciplined phase of like, how could I make this like feel good for me? And yeah. I know that's something I've started to do more in, in previous or in it's like really the, di- the difference between being disciplined and feeling deprived. Right. So I feel very disciplined in what I do, but I don't feel deprived because I like the food I eat. Yeah. Yep. You know, right. absolutely. You have to be miserable. You but don't have to be miserable. Um, you know, so I want to, we've got about 10 minutes left and I feel like we got off on a little bit of a tangent as to what the original intent of the podcast was going to be about, which was, how we each like structure our fat loss phases. So I'm going to touch really quickly on what I've been doing in terms of, I guess, calorie cycling, if you will, because it is important to know yourself and kind of have an idea of your week and what is going to work best in terms of setting up your deficit. So there are some people who enjoy eating 
the same amount of calories throughout the week and that works really well for them. I actually prefer that. It's not what I'm doing right now because I'm working with a coach. So I'm just letting him kind of take the wheels and everything so that I don't have to think about it. But I have three different, like a rotation that I do of three different days. So lower carbohydrate days, those are my days that are off from lifting higher carbs on the day that I lift. And then I have one refeed day a week, which is when my calories get pretty much doubled. Um, and I actually do like having that one refeed day, but there are many different ways that you can structure your calorie deficit to make it work for, the, for you. So like I said, you can have the just isocaloric Monday through Sunday is the same amount of calories. If that is easiest for you, if that's what you enjoy, can have those lower carb days, higher carb days, or higher calorie, lower calorie days. And then you can have, you know, you, what you might call the weekend warrior approach, where if you're someone who is really social on the weekends, you can allot more calories to the weekend days and eat a little bit less throughout the week. If you don't feel as hungry, if you can, you know, stay on track pretty well during the week, but you want to have some more room or some more wiggle room to play with on the weekend when you're going out and having fun. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really, really good point. I think for so long, I felt like every day had to be the same Mm -hmm. and, or I felt like it had to be a certain way and it didn't work with my life. And so when I was like, oh my God, every weekend I have these events and like, instead of being like, okay, I'm just going to eat a little bit lower calorie during the week and have more room for play on the weekends. I kind of didn't make the deficit work for me. And so if you find that like every weekend you have events going on or whatever, like build that into your life or plan, you know, just plan, make your calories work for you really, because it's like, only you are going to be able to create that success and that structure. So figuring out like what's realistic uh, so that you can feel like you're in, in control of it, I guess, you know? And yeah. but also being really, really, really honest with yourself that if you are someone who wants to live the weekend warrior, but it doesn't work out for you because you end up going off track every weekend, mm-hmm. you have to be honest about that and say, okay, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. I need to try something, something else. So it's about kind of experimenting and being really honest with the outcome and making changes if it's not working, if you don't keep beating your head against a brick wall, if it's, you know, not working out for you. Yeah. Actually, Sarah, I have something to say following that, an, kind of an, uh, an admission of what I used to do. What I used to do is have really, really low calories Monday through Friday so I could like, quote unquote, save up for the weekend. Yeah. But really what that meant was like, I would be like a psycho and deprive yeah. myself Monday through like Friday afternoon. And then it would give me a reason to like go off the rails on the weekends. Yeah. And- I've had clients, I've had clients that, Kate, that have said, you know, right, I really want to do this kind of Monday to Friday. I just want to save myself some calories for the weekends that I can go out and enjoy. And I'm like, okay, we will, we'll try it. But I kind of know, I kind of know your history and I feel like this is probably not going to work out, but let's, let's see. And of course they do it and they've, they've, you know, they've gone into this mindset that you just spoke about where it's like, well, there we go. I've got to, I've got to the weekend. Now it's time for me to just like, you know, treat myself, reward myself. I made it through type thing. So yeah, you've just got to be really honest with yourself and not, and not kid that you can do it when actually you can't. 
Yeah. I think the thing that, uh, I don't know where I first heard this or maybe I made it up in my sleep or something. I don't think I made this. <laughs> uh, it was like, it's like every week has a weekend. Right. And it, it's like, Oh shit. That means I have to get real here. Like I just had to be really radically honest with myself yeah. and I was just lying to myself. Like I just wouldn't track things or I would forget that I ate something or like, you know, like the weekend mentality. So if right now that's what you're struggling with, I do not recommend that you have higher calories in the weekend. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing anyways. Like start getting into the mindset of, okay, every day is a day. What happens if the calendar just got removed and you didn't even know what day it was and you worked mm-hmm. Monday through Sunday? Like what would that mm-hmm. look like? It's like, oh shit, I've been screwing myself over. (laughs) So plan for this shit because if you've been doing the same thing without results, well, you got to change in order to change. Yeah. So, yeah. I think a part of that, um, overeating on the weekends for some people when they they're like oh i'm going lower calorie during the week so i can you know like you were saying sam save up for the weekend i think for a lot of people they genuinely think that they're doing that but it comes back to that piece where people are just not aware of the calorie content of food and so they don't realize that what they just ate friday night through sunday evening was way more than they had in air quotes saved up right and then they're they're stuck thinking like why is this not working well, because you just ate way more food than you, than you gave it credit for. And so yeah. part of it is honesty and part of it is just like understanding portions and serving sizes and all of that. You know, yeah. if you want to have a wake up call, pour yourself a bowl of cereal that you think is a serving. No, no, no it's really right. So time I, yeah. I was like, no, no this is I know. not true. It's just no matter what you think, you're you're serving still too big for the calories that they have listed. It's ridiculous. It's not fair. It's like the plot. Portions are not fair. Like calories are mean. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) You guys, if you had a food that had like no um no calories, what would Oh don't do this. Oh, that's so hard. Wait, I swear we did this once before because I remember telling you mine. I know. Yeah, and oh, we know you know your cereal. Hot cookie and ice cream sandwiches. Oh shit. Ooh. Yeah, we did this before because that's what you said. Yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do <laughs> Mine's it. Mine's changed. Mine's changed. Oh, uh, what is it now? I think mine's cheese. Like, even though it's not even real cheese, vegan cheese. I fucking oh. how much cheese can add to the satiety of a meal for me. Like it's wicked high in calories, but I don't care. Like it's worth it for me to eat less to have cheese on a meal. It's just so even vegan cheese. You like vegan cheese, yes, but only specific kinds. Like a lot of them are trash, you know. Like, and I just won't have it. I'm like, I'm not spending seven dollars on this stupid ass almond milk cheese. No, it's like the it's like really bougie ass <laughs> vegan cheese, but it's so good. <laughs> I'm a cheese fan, but I've never had vegan cheese. There you go. Yeah. Cauliflower, cauliflower vegan cheese. Cauliflower. <laughs> you need to have them. Things I need to try. Clearly. Well, remind me what yours is, Kim and Marcy. I can't remember. But mine's cereal. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, I think some cereal was my second. Yeah, Marcy? yeah. Cereal, cereal would definitely be up there for me, and then probably nut butters. <gasps> yeah. So I like I like almond butter. Well, oh no. Okay, I know it. 
Samantha that (laughs) about, I don't know, six months ago, maybe she sent me this little care package with all of these different chocolate bars that were delicious. And then this coconut butter, that was the best thing I think I've ever put in my mouth because (laughs) it it wasn't like a smooth coconut butter. Like most are, it was almost like a ground up macaroon so it was like kind of gritty oh my gosh it was to die for that would probably be it oh my god about that you were like salivating talking about it i felt the salivating right now (laughs) (laughs) we can't i i can't find in california but that's dangerous oh maybe i'll send you some more yeah you you thought we should you had said we thought we should talk about how people can figure out their calories are we going to hit that? Oh, yeah. Let's do that quick. And then we can wrap it up. Well, basically, here we go. Here's the calculator. Let me text one of us, I think. Yeah, take your... Uh, do you guys do goal body weight or current body weight? I use goal body weight. Same. All right. Yeah. So, goal, goal body weight, unless it's someone who is, like, already on the fairly leaner side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, goal body weight in pounds for... If you are in kg, go to pounds for a second. Uh, and multiply that by 10 to 12. That is your range. And uh, that's a good place to start. And then uh, protein, multiply your current body weight in pounds times 0.8 to 1 gram. And that's a good range for your protein. And then there's nuances within that. If someone wants to kind of explain maybe like if where, where you are compared to where you need to be or like how to how to get people to kind of ramp up or something? Yeah, um, I want to talk for just a quick second about the goal body weight part. Um, Don't overthink that, people who are listening to this. It doesn't have to, you don't have to like figure out in your mind exactly what weight you want to be and go for that. It just needs to be a weight that's less than you are now. Think about a weight that might be close to where you are comfortable weighing. And if you have a big amount of weight to lose, you can pick an intermediary goal weight to keep your calories more moderate. So if you're 200 pounds and you want to get to 140, you could set your goal body weight for this equation at 170. You know, you don't have to go all the way to 140. I would actually encourage you not to. Those calories would be quite low. Um, So your goal body weight doesn't have to be your ultimate goal body weight, something lower than you're at now. Yeah. Yep. I think just starting somewhere and not worrying about being perfect, just start with somewhere, stick to it for a few weeks and watch the trends like Kim's been showing with the scale to kind of help you see the downward trend, uh, how your clothes fit, all that stuff. And then as far as picking your, your multiplier, the 10 to 12, if you are very active, as in you train a lot and you're active, you, have, you get over 10,000 steps a day, like picking closer to the 12, um, multiplier is a good idea. If you have a lot to lose and or are very sedentary, going closer to the 10 and starting your range there is a better way to go. Yeah, for sure. And if you guys have any questions about the calorie deficit, uh, send us DMs and we will answer them, you know, uh, yeah. or post them in the Facebook group as well, because it's, it's a good place to ask questions and get feedback from us. Absolutely. All right, ladies. Great chat. So thank you all for tuning in and we shall talk to you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye girls.
All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.